Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. Uh, It is now my privilege to introduce uh, Nate and Hope Owens for us this morning. Uh, The Owens serve as the regional communication coordinators for the Asia-Pacific region. They are responsible for keeping everyone on the same page when it comes to ministry goals and strategies. They live in Manila, Philippines, so they're pretty cool. Um, Their boys, Forrest and Peter, are also here this morning. Uh, They're participating in our kids' worship down the hall. But uh, the Owens come to us with a wealth of stories and experiences that I do hope that we find encouraging and challenging as we hear from them this morning, as we hear what God is doing in other places around the world. So let's give them a big cross-community welcome this morning as hope comes to us. Hi there. I'm Hope, and I just have a question really quick. If With a raise of hands, can anybody tell me, do you speak Tagalog, anybody, um, or Filipino language? Good. Okay. I'm going to I'm going to speak some Tagalog. I, you know, if there was somebody, it would be great. Um, I would just ask them to correct me if I was wanted later. But for now, <laughs> I want to degree you. Um, so I would like to say, Magandang umagapo, ako po si Hope. Nagpapasalamat po ako para Dios sa iyo. Which means... Good morning, everyone. My name is Hope, and I am thankful for God, to God for you. Um, if that sounded like a mouthful, it was. Um, if you want to learn how to say good morning, you can check with me back in the back later on. It's magandangumaga. So practice that in your head, and um, I'll work with you later. <laughs> um, so I would like to thank you so much for allowing us to be here, and... Um, I, I wanted to be, to make sure to tell you that I am so grateful that God calls the, uh, doesn't call the equipped, He equips the called. And Nate and I were called to serve Him in whatever capacity He would have for us. And at the time, uh, in 2017, we were called to serve in, um, the Philippines. When we got that opportunity, I was, I thought in my head, no, you have the wrong people. This is not who we should, you know, this is not the assignment for us. But God equips the called. We were called to go, and he equipped us with so many um, personal resources, people that we got to work with. The community that we worked with in the Philippines was um, were masters at media and communications. So though I am not a master at communications, uh, we worked with a group that um, was really amazing at that. A lot of Filipinos and some, um, including four other uh, nationalities. So it was a culturally diverse group, and they were really great at um, sharing, helping us to share the stories of what God was doing uh, in the Asia-Pacific region to around the world. Um, I, in the pandemic, made a little video uh, just to kind of give you a snapshot of what um, our life was like in the Philippines in the last few years. And like I said, I am not a master at communication, so it was my in-home production. It's not going to be super fancy, and I hope that you can forgive that. But it, will, it does show you some of what we went through. So I'll let you um, play that right now. 
Hi, I'm Nate. I'm Hope. I'm Forrest. And I'm Keith. And, and we're, we're the, the Owens family. We serve as the Asia-Pacific Regional Communication Coordinator, uh, we together as one, <laughs> and we've been living in Manila since March 2018. We don't do it on our own. We have, uh, in fact, we definitely couldn't do it on our own. We have a great team of people here locally in Manila uh, whom we work with to uh, produce content, but then we also have uh, coordinators on the each of the individual fields in the Asia-Pacific region who also work to connect us with stories on the field. As part of our job, we've traveled to places like South Korea, Papua New Guinea, and Australia. We even got to help make our regional conference happen in Thailand. In some of these places, we've experienced pretty unusual things. Getting around in the Philippines looks a lot different than it does in a lot of other places in the world. The sites look different too. School used to be normal for our kids with classroom activities, playground time, and school programs. But like many others, they have had to start learning online because of the pandemic. Living outside our home culture and away from family, we make sure to celebrate American holidays and keep family traditions. We have been so blessed to have both a great Filipino and missionary community who have become like family. Some of the efforts that we've seen on our region include here in uh, Manila, people who have gone into really uh, underprivileged areas to distribute food and uh, different supplies, uh, personal protection uh, supplies to, so that people can uh, be able to take care of themselves and still make ends meet in a challenging time. Uh, for everybody. Elsewhere on the region, places like Fiji, they've been uh, working to create hand washing stations in public areas so that people can uh, maintain cleanliness and uh, try to slow down the, the spread of disease, uh, diseases of all kinds. Uh, in places like Korea where they've used it as an opportunity to try to reach out uh, in a way that's safe uh, for the communities. Um, and so we've been really encouraged to see how creative the Church of the Nazarene has been able to be in uh, really difficult times. We do want to encourage you to continue to pray for ministry here in the Asia-Pacific region and all over the world, not just in our own church, but in all, all churches in the world as we all try to figure out uh, how best to minister in these times. And uh, we, we pray for that because we believe that God is using us uh, in this time. In fact, I believe that God is using us all the more in challenging times. Uh, and these, these are not, uh, these are not, it's not a time to be afraid and to be timid, but it is a time to trust in the Lord that He is doing great things. And so we encourage you to continue to pray for that uh, as we do as well. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Okay, as Pastor Kyle mentioned that we lived in Manila and served there, we were there for three years, and the time of that assignment has uh, concluded, and there's been a replacement found, a local um, Filipina, that will really take that um, assignment and, and make it more, uh, you know, 
personal, personal and help the region um, continue to grow in communication. So we're really happy that um, our friend Grace got to take over that role. And we're now on home assignment and in a time of transition. Um, we don't know what our future holds. We're working with Global Missions and the General Church to um, hopefully get a new assignment. And we are just trusting God for the next step. Um, so I know, I think if you were, any of you were in that situation, it would be a little uncomfortable, and sometimes it is, but really, we are trusting the Lord for our futures, and we know that he's got the best plans in mind for us. So we would appreciate if you would continue to pray for us in this new way to find a, a way of um, service that we can best fit into the ministries and uh, things that God has planned for us, hopefully in a global setting, if not um, just wherever he has us for the next time. Um, I do want to mention that we just really appreciate how your church has supported the World Evangelism Fund. I know probably Carla has helped to educate and um, give you information about what that does. Um, the World Evangelism Fund just helps so much to support the global church. Um, the Church of the Nazarene is not just here in Michigan. It's not just here in the America. It's all over the world. And um, during especially this pandemic time when things were rough and tight financially, the World Evangelism Fund continued to help those ministries happen around the world. Um, things like education through um, Asia-Pacific Nazarene Theological Seminary there in Manila. Um, we saw students continuing to get their education in theology there. Um, we got to see some really great steps forward in women's ministries and um, the coordinator there is just really helping to empower women to step out of um, the shadows and become leaders in the Church of the Nazarene. And that's so exciting to see um, just kind of pioneering the way there in Asia Pacific. So uh, those are just a few of the things. Uh, if you want to know more about what uh, the World Evangelism Fund helps with, you can ask me or um, Carla can let you know. But we just really thank you for supporting that. Um, and I think... I may have forgotten something, but it's okay. I'm going to let Nate go ahead and start sharing the message with us now. Hey, I got it. Ooh, wow. A couple weeks ago, we spoke in Dodge City, Kansas, which is Hope's home church. And uh, they gave me my mic at the beginning. My brother-in-law is the sound guy there. And uh, he gave me my mic, and then he's also in the praise team, so he had his iPad there and is adjusting the levels. And all through the praise and worship, my mic was on. And I was, like, singing, you know, harmonies and everything, just really, kind of, you know, because I didn't know I was mic'd. And they came up afterwards and said, like, oh, yeah, it sounded good. I'm like, oh, super. That's great. That's great. Well, before I start here, I would just, let's open with a word of prayer. I know I appreciate this when I go into uh, into speaking and uh I just, I think that's, I think that's proper and fitting to begin that way. 
Heavenly Father, I ask that you would be here in Kalamazoo across community, that you would do a great work. And Lord, I, I pray that knowing you are already doing a great work here. I pray that as they go forward, Lord, and with small groups and as, uh, as this pandemic continues, Lord, the challenges of that, I pray that you would make uh, Cross Community Church a, a shining beacon of grace and peace in Kalamazoo and in the Michigan District. Father, be with me as I share your word today. I pray that uh, these words I say would be yours and that they would not be mine. And I, Lord, I pray that you would uh, be among us all today, Lord. Send your Holy Spirit and just do the things we know that you are doing, Lord. I pray that you'd be with us. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, uh, those of you, you don't know me very well, most of you, but uh, one of my favorite things to do, I play a lot of games. I play games of all times. I like tabletop games. I like video games, and I like computer games. And one of my favorite games is Sid Meier's Civilization. How many of you played some version of this game? There's six versions. I have part six. That's the one I play the most. But what I love about it, the whole premise is that you take like a little country and you get an empire and you try to be the best. You try to win science or win culture or just conquer all your neighbors. I love doing this. Good strategy game. But when you win a game, at the end they have a little timeline. And the timeline says, hey, here's all the cool things your civilization did in however many hours you were playing. Uh, it'll say like, oh, hey, um, Johann Sebastian Bach decided to join your civilization. And it has a little thing there that says, good job for you. It says, oh, you conquered Rome. Good job for you. Uh, you discovered steam power. You, you, you know, you, you made it into outer space and it gives a little thing. And every time I finish the game, I just spend a couple minutes looking at this thing. I was there. I saw the whole thing. And I didn't actually accomplish anything. But it feels fun to reflect on those, those great accomplishments. Great accomplishments. I use it as loosely as I can. Uh, because humans love to reflect on great accomplishments. We love it. Even if the accomplishments are so old that almost no one remembers them. I'm in Michigan, I know how the Detroit Lions are, and I'm a Cleveland Browns fan, so we're in the same boat here, right? All our best days were from when my dad was younger than my children. We like to reflect on the glory days, even especially when things are bad now. We like doing this in the church a whole lot. I need to get a drink of water. I'm just preaching too much already, I tell you. Uh, we really like doing this in the church. I know you just had your district assembly here on the Michigan district. And, I mean, that's kind of one of the things we do, right? When we get into those uh, district assemblies, we kind of celebrate the good things, uh, the things that God has done. Especially this year, we were just at the Pittsburgh camp meeting, and uh, they had you know, just a lot of celebration of, hey, we can be together again this year. That's cool. We should celebrate that. This is the thing our churches did. We had these ministries. These people came to know Christ and whatever. Uh, we really like this in missions. Hey, I know Michigan District, you all care about missions. You do it right. It's such a joy to be back on the Michigan District Partially for that reason. And we tell stories of missions, right? Wow, the so-and-so missionary did the thing, and uh, you, they come in and you tell the stories. And we love that kind of stuff. And that's good. It's nice to be able to reflect on the good times, on the great things that God has done. But one of the things that becomes difficult as we continue to reflect on those things is that it makes it a lot harder to talk about the times when things were tough. 
Um, that's especially true this year, right? Hey, folks, the, the last year has been really tough. And it's hard because we kind of know we're not really out of it yet. You know, we don't like to talk about it. Um, but we're kind of in the middle of the biggest international incident since World War II. I don't know if you ever thought about that. You are living through history. It moved the Olympics. The only thing that's ever stopped the Olympics from happening as scheduled were the world wars. That's how big this is. And it is still ongoing, very much in the rest of the world where the vaccine's not really rolled out yet. But even still here in the U.S., we've kind of seen that. Uh, that's why you might see us wearing masks when we talk to you after service. The reason is not because we think you have COVID cooties, but we're not sure if we do. So we want to take all the precautions we can. This is tough. These are hard times. And when we're in hard times, we kind of don't want to talk about them very much. It's, uh, it can be painful to talk about them, especially when you hear the good things happening. I know that a lot of churches in the last few years have, uh, I, I cannot speak for your church here, but a lot of churches have really struggled because they just, every week they look in the pews and there's a couple people less than there were the week before. And after a couple years of that, it ends up being like, wow, where did everybody go? It's really painful and there's a lot of grieving that happens through that. Uh, it feels like the victory that we ought to be celebrating has been deferred. By that I mean we haven't been able to celebrate. We were, there was something that was denied us that we should have been able to, to enjoy and now we can't. And there's just this really difficult thing that we've been dealing with. I know this is a real big bummer of a mission sermon. I promise I'm getting to something here. I want you to turn with me to the 11th chapter of Hebrews. I'm going to start in uh, verse 8. Or the 11th chapter of Hebrews. I'm going to go through quite a chunk here, but I'm not going to do it all at once. Because we wouldn't want to read too much scripture at one shot in church. No, that's not why. It's because there's a lot. I'm going to kind of unpack it as we go and then preach along with it. This is uh, Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 8. By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. Even though he did not know where he was going. By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. Abraham is one of my very favorite characters and one of my very favorite books of the Bible. Genesis is just great. I love it. Um, I love Genesis because of the focus on generational faithfulness. And that's really important when we talk about Abraham, because if you think about it, Abraham was the first one. He kind of had to do the hardest job of listening to God. He didn't have these people behind him who he could say like, oh, well, God did this for my father, did this for my grandfather. God was faithful then. You know, I, he just was kind of a guy in what we would now call Babylon, right? And God spoke to him and said, go to the place I'm going to show you. And Abraham, to his enormous credit, and the writer of Hebrews 
goes on and on about, hey, this is an enormous act of faith that Abraham took here. He just said, yeah, okay, I'll do that. It was an enormous act of faith for a few reasons. First of all, Abraham was probably a polytheist, right? God spoke to him, but we don't have any indication that he was familiar with God before this. He at least would have lived in a world that assumed the existence of many, many gods. So to have one God speak out and speak to him directly and to say, hey, do this, can you imagine how that would have completely shaken his world? That's like he, he would have had no paradigm for that. Just It's completely unimaginable for him. But he heard it and he obeyed. He was leaving his native land. Hey, this is a big deal, folks. The, so much in Old Testament we read about the children of Israel is based around land. Right? Every 50 years, the year of Jubilee, the land reverts to its original owners. That was his land that he left and he left it. That made no sense. He took his family, he took everything, and he left his land. That's unbelievable. Wow. And why did he do it? Because he believed that God was faithful. It was something about this God who had called him. And then, of course, later on in Genesis, we get this, uh, this expression of a promise that God had given to Abraham. How many remember what the promise was? You don't have to say it out loud now. We're not in class. I see a hand now. <laughs> Thank you for knowing. Uh, uh, your, your descendants will be as numerous as the stars in the sky. That's amazing when you consider that a lot of those stars Abraham was looking at were, were themselves galaxies. This is something we know now. The little twinkle you see is another galaxy filled with millions and millions of stars. That's unbelievable. Can you imagine that? How overwhelming for Abraham. This old man, he was 75 when God first spoke to him, and then almost 100 when he had, uh, when he had Isaac. Can you imagine hearing that and just thinking like, what am I a part of? What a promise. What a promise God has given me. The difficult thing is that Abraham only ever saw two offspring. And one of them was kind of a form of Abraham trying to grab that promise for himself. His first son, Ishmael, whom he had with that Hagar. Um, Ishmael was Abraham trying to take the promise. I will make this promise happen. God has given it to me and it is mine to hold on to. The problem is the promise was not for Abraham. I want to say that again. The promise made to Abraham was not just for Abraham. His attempts to grab hold of this promise, his attempts to uh, make it happen on his own schedule, caused enormous heartache and caused deep injustice. This is how sinful response to these things always does, right? It generates pain, it generates sinfulness, it generates injustice. Abraham just had the one son whom, you know, God was going to start this line through. Abraham, as far as we can tell, did not live to see the promise fulfilled. Isaac didn't live to see the promise fulfilled. Jacob got closer. He had a lot of sons. But by the time Jacob died, Jacob died in Egypt. Not in the land his fathers had told him about. 
author of Hebrews goes on. In verse 13 he says, All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. Admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. I want you to think about verse 13 there real quick. Abraham died before the promise was fulfilled. Abraham learned from experience what happens when you try to hold on to the promise of God, make it happen on your own time. Very painful, painful experience. And so by the time Abraham died, he died knowing that God was faithful, even though he had not seen the outcome of the faithfulness himself yet. He was obedient to the very end, in spite of not seeing this promise. See, it was easy enough for Abraham because Abraham was thinking generationally. I said this is something I just love about the book of Genesis. I love the emphasis on generations. We're a very young country. Just just close to about 250 years, right? 250 years. That should be coming up in a few years. The 250th by sesquicentennial. My, my terminology for large anniversaries is a little shaky these days. Not that I was ever studied up on it very well. That's very young on the global scale. Uh, by the time the U.S. had been founded in 1776, the Philippines had already been colonized by Spain for about 100 years, 150 years. That's unbelievable. We're so young. And we don't think generationally. Part of that is because... Um, we're very individualist in our thinking. And this is not a, this is not a criticism, it's a comment. You know, it's an observation. Uh, Americans think in terms of individuals. Uh, we don't think about our family as being this huge, expansive thing. Uh, my, my parents pastor in, uh, near Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, um, and we live near them uh, when we're not on the road. But I think of my own family, Hope and I and our boys, I think of them as being separate from my parents, from Hope's parents, from Hope's other parents. We think about, like, when we call it extended family, right? We have a different, you know, each each sibling maybe has a family or is married or kind of has their own life, and they're all kind of considered separate. We come together, then we go apart. This is not how it works in a lot of other countries, all right? In the Philippines, several generations will live in the same house. The social welfare is your grandparents come to live with you. As many as four generations will be in the same house together. This is considered the most natural thing in the world. In fact, I, I know Filipinos, they, they are baffled by the idea that we would not have our grandparents come live with us. To them, it's the most natural thing in the world. It, it, it's, it's just what you do. Part of this is also based around a view of how we, of how we view our elders, uh, the hierarchy in Filipino culture is very much based around age, much more than it is around, say, something like gender or something like that. In fact, in Tagalog, Hope spoke some Tagalog. Uh, when you hit, Filipinos know very good English. 
from 50 years of American colonization. They know great English, and so we were really were operating in English most of the time. But if someone is still kind of getting their feet in English, they'll get he and she mixed up, and they'll call you the wrong pronoun a lot, and not in the way you're thinking in, here in the U.S., but in a way that shows that they don't have separate pronouns for gender in Tagalog. There's just one pronoun that you use. And so when they're speaking English, it's very easy to get gendered pronouns mixed up. But they do have different pronouns based on your age. The words you use are very different based on how old they are in relation to you. This is actually really common in a lot of Asian cultures. I was in Thailand uh, doing a, a workshop, and my translator, she did great work. She was only about 20 years old, 19 years old, so she was knew great English but was not used to translating. And I was telling a story about my brother-in-law, uh, my sister's husband, and I was just telling the story, and I got done, and she was stumped. She looked at me, she's like, <laughs> and, and, I, and I said, like, I mean, we just have one word. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. My brother-in-law, my sister's husband, and she's like, I'm like, I, I am out of words. We just have one phrase in English for this, and that's how we refer to it. And she said, no, 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 your older sister or your younger sister. You see, in Thai, there was a different word for brother-in-law based on how old my sibling was. Is she older than me or is she younger than me? And it was like, oh, of course, of course, she's younger than me. So that's, and that's the, since she was able to translate. That just shows we don't think in terms of generations very much. Abraham did. He took the long view, this deep time view of what God was doing. then you can also think about what happens starting in verse 17. I'm jumping around a little bit here, but I'm going to keep on. I'm going to finish out the passage here until verse 22. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. These are not the behaviors of people who believe the promise is being fulfilled right then in front of them. These are the behaviors of people who recognize that God is doing something bigger than them. Abraham sacrificing Isaac. This is a tough passage. I don't mind telling you. And I think sometimes we, we downplay how difficult it is God asking someone to, to sacrifice his son. This is you know, it's a, it's a very challenging passage, and I don't want to overlook that. But I want to focus on Abraham's obedience here. As far as he knew, this was the way God was fulfilling his promise. But Abraham had learned now. He learned, I can't hold on to this. When God says something, I have to obey. I have to follow it, even if I thought this was how the promise was going to be fulfilled. Because Abraham reasoned that I am serving God. He can raise people from the dead if he has to. Boy, Isaac with his two sons, I have two boys. I, I can just imagine how tough it would be to deal with Jacob and Esau. 
Jacob lied and still got the reward. That's not the plan. That's not how this was supposed to go. But Isaac blessed him anyway. There's a lot of cultural stuff that's baked into that that I couldn't begin to unpack now. But that's the behavior there. Jacob died in Egypt. He had left the land that had been promised and stayed in Egypt for a time. And for generations, the Hebrews lived there. And then when Joseph died, Joseph gave instructions for burial because he knew there would be a day when they'd have to leave Egypt again. It would not be in his generation. It would not be in the next. It would not be for a couple of hundred years, near as we can tell. But he knew the promise is still coming. Here's the amazing thing, people. I'm... I'm so, this is the most amazing, I read this passage in Genesis, and well, I'm reading it in Hebrews, but I read the story of Genesis, the story of the patriarchs. The most amazing thing is the promise was not for Abraham, it was not for Isaac or Jacob or Joseph, it was for us. The promise was for the people of God. Abraham was not just talking about his own family, because we read in the New Testament, we've been kind of brought into that family as adopted children. The promise is for you. It's for you. It's for me. It's for all of God's children. So we also have to think generationally about this kind of stuff. I mentioned earlier talking about how um, how young the U.S. is on a global scale. There's this saying, and you, you may have heard it, but it talks about how it's a difference between Europe and the United States. There's a lot of differences, but here's one. One is in America, a hundred years is a long time. But a hundred miles is a short drive. In Europe, a hundred miles is a long drive, but a hundred years is not a long time. We have no idea the lengths and the depths of time that God is working on. And it's especially difficult for Americans. We're encouraged to think about our own legacy, about our own impact, right? Uh, we're encouraged to think, hey, we, we, you know, this is a very individualist thing. We tell kids, hey, what do you want to do? That's not how it works in a lot of other cultures that are very collectivist and very focused on family. They say, like, you know, it's what your parents kind of pick for you. We always do this. Now, some parents are less really intense about that than others. And as we become more globally connected, it kind of... You know, these, these extremes kind of get softened a little bit, is what we see in global, global communities. But that's still really unique for Americans. We don't, we don't think in terms of, I, I'm not a missionary because my parents are missionaries, even though they were our pastors. That's not, that's not why I'm doing this. I, I kind of view the call as being ours and being completely separate from the one my parents experienced all those years ago. My parents served for 12 years in missions. By the way, I didn't say that before. Uh, And now my dad's been pastoring for 16 years since he's been back in the U.S. In a social media-obsessed culture, we can kind of really think about ourselves a lot. We talk about brand a lot. We think about it a lot, even if we're not using the words for it. You know, uh, we kind of go on, on Facebook or whatever platform. I see use Facebook because I'm an old. I remember when you needed a .edu address to be on Facebook, and only college students could have it. And then everyone who wasn't a college student. I, I was not a college student at the time. I just still had my old college email address. I remember those days when it was, hey, the young people used Facebook. 
And then my one year of youth pastoring showed me that, oh, no, 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 this is how I get in touch with my students' parents, not how I get in touch with my students anymore. We're so obsessed with how something will look. It's gotten so bad that a lot of times we will say things that we would never say in real life. But we'll say it online because it fits with what we're doing. In a content-driven age, brand is everything. And individualists know what it means to have a brand. The thing that you do better than everyone else. And our desire to focus on our victories, remember I talked about that at the beginning, our desire to focus on our victories feeds right into that. Right? I live in Pittsburgh, which is a terrible place if you're a Cleveland Browns fan. I know exactly how many Super Bowls the Pittsburgh Steelers have won. They've won six. That's a big deal. Because the Cleveland Browns have won just less than one. They've been to just less than one. Your victories become a part of your brand. It's this enormous thing that we, we hold on to and like this defines us. We're, we're winners. We're champions. We hold on to it because that's part of who we are. It's in our DNA. It's our inheritance now. What happens when a really good football team, I'll, I'll use, I use football because that's my, that's kind of my passion as far as sports. When a really good team, someone like retires, like when Tom Brady left the Patriots, suddenly the Patriots are like, whoa, what happened? All the time. Because you think it's your inheritance. We ought to be winning. When a church focuses only on their victories, we begin to think we ought to be victorious. We are owed success. That was the promise. The promise was that this kingdom will spread all over the world on earth as it is in heaven. We are owed success. Sometimes we focus on those victories and we ignore the people who do the most difficult jobs. I love, hey, I love missionary books, missionary stories, stuff like that. I, I'm so appreciative of those who have gone before. I know in the Michigan district there's a lot of missionaries who've come from here. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm so thankful for that. And we talk about, hey, there's people, if you go to enough missions services, you start hearing a lot of the same names. How many know the name Harmon Schmelzenbaugh? It's a pretty memorable name. I see some folks, yeah. So Harmon Schmelzenbaugh, there's several generations of them. In fact, we got to work with Harmon IV. Harmon IV was, when we came on the Asia-Pacific field, was the field coordinator for uh, Melanesia South Pacific, which includes Papua New Guinea. There's been four Harmon Schmelzenbaugh's, and they're like kind of known. If you're not a Nazarene by birth, just trust me, it's a big deal. We like to tell the stories of the people who did the thing, Right? They did great things for the kingdom. They were faithful. And look at the success. Look at the thing that happened. But I want to be sure I, I, I tell you this. See, we, we're here sharing missionary stories and stuff like that. And I'm going to show you one at the end here that uh, is from the Philippines and is just really close to my heart because I, I got to be at the, at the shooting of this video. Um, but I want to tell you that we don't subscribe as, as a church of the Nazarene and as missionaries, we don't subscribe to what's called the great man version of history. How many of you know what this is? This is a school of thought in history that talks about how history revolves around great people. I say great man, it should really be great people who do great things and it's because they were so great that great things happened. But that's not 
how the kingdom of God works. Because it turns out that the kingdom of God is made of people just like you and just like me. People who were faithful to the call, even when they knew they would not see the outcome. Even when they knew they would not see the glory that comes from success. The thing about, the thing about missions is, and really all ministry, I use missions kind of as an extension for this. The thing about ministry is, we're not planting a garden here. How many of you keep a flower garden at home? Or an herb garden or vegetable, something like that? Any of you? Okay. You expect to get the results of this garden roughly annually, maybe more, maybe less. Right? You plant it with the assumption you'll get to enjoy it. Right? I like these flowers. They'll bloom annually. They'll be beautiful. That's the whole purpose of a garden. I get to see it. That's not ministry, folks. That's not the business in as we're looking at the kingdom of God. It's much more like planting a tree. When you plant a tree, you're making an investment on behalf of someone else. You put that tree in the ground and you know you will not probably see, certainly at not my age, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not even 40 years old yet, I will probably not see that tree in its final form. Maybe the people after me in this place will see the tree. Maybe they'll look at it and they'll eat its fruit and they'll lie in its shade and they'll think to themselves, I am so thankful that 30, 40, 50 years ago, someone planted this tree. What a blessing that is. They didn't even know us. And they planted this beautiful tree. That's what we're looking at with ministry. God is playing the long game. By that I mean that God is looking at everything through all the generations. This is what gets so frustrating when we talk about kind of a very U.S.-centric view of the church. Well, oh, the church doesn't... If we don't, we, we, we're trying to fight to make sure the church can survive in the U.S. And it's like, the church is bigger than the U.S. people. And I, I, I want to be careful how I say this because the Lord rewards the faithfulness of his people here in the United States. But Jesus doesn't need the U.S. for the church to survive. He doesn't need nations. He needs individuals like you, individuals like me, to be faithful I think of people in Papua New Guinea who saw the need for, in this remote area in the highlands of Papua New Guinea, and saw the need for medical care. Otherwise, people would just not be able to, to be able to be healthy and taken care of if there was an emergency. So they founded Nazarene uh, Hospital there, Kujip Nazarene Hospital. It's now one of the foremost healthcare facilities in that region of Papua New Guinea. For 60 years, the Church of the Nazarene has been doing that. The people who in 1983 saw a need for theological training, in not just in Asia Pacific, but in the whole world, um, and they knew that there was a place and an opportunity in Manila, just outside Manila, to find a spot where we could build Nazarene, a Nazarene theological seminary, Asia Pacific Nazarene theological seminary. And if we're telling these stories, I could tell you the big people, but what I want to talk about are the, the little people who, little people, listen to me, that's the great man view of history right there. God forgive me for that. Um, the people who did the hard work, who found the property, who dug the holes, who brought in the missionaries, who helped the 
people figure out visas and help to figure out all of these things. This is complicated work. And because there are so many faithful people, God has made good on these promises. God is doing great things in these places and in places like this all over the world. But he's, sometimes they don't look that big. There's one video we have, and I, I don't have time to show it to you today, but it's a video about a little church three hours north of Brisbane, Australia, that was in the hard times, asking the hard questions. Would, would anyone notice if we were gone? Would anyone notice if our church closed its doors? Would that have a measurable impact on the community? And through that very painful process, they came up with this, this ministry to just open the doors of the church every market day, which is Thursday morning for them, and to just have some cake, have some coffee, have some tea, and have people come in and just get to know the people in their community. And what they found is that they've been, the people who have come have been homeless people. People who are facing, uh, um, who are perhaps uh, have mental problems, who have carers who take care of them and bring them in. Single dads who are separated from their families. People who have been wrecked by their lives. This is now a place they can come. And it's not, they don't know how this ends. This has led to some changed lives, you know, but it's, it's not been this thing of like, wow, and the Lord has just lined the altars and done all this stuff. Like, no, it was a faithful response. We did this because we just had to do it, because that's who we are. We're the people of God. We are present in this world. There can be no other response. So my question for you today, are you ready to start planting trees? Are you ready to stop worrying about the little setbacks and the difficulties we face now? And hey, I know there's a lot of challenges right now. I also know that it's not just that God, we have to trust God. We have to be faithful. We have to be obedient, even when that will give us the hard result. I know that's true, and I want to impress that on all of you. But are you ready to plant trees? Are you ready to get your fingers dirty in the, in the soil of the kingdom And to build something and to plant something, not because you'll get to see the outcome, not because it will grow the church all this, to this, you know, busting and there's people at the altars, not because it'll look like our idea of success, but just because God has called us to do it. For its own sake, because obedience to God is its own sake. It is its own reward. We go because we have to. We serve a God who is so great and is working across generations and across centuries, how could we say no to that? I want to share with you this video, and I want to give some some background. This is a a little place about three hours north of Manila that I was able to to go with our video team and and do this video. While you watch it, I, I just really want to impress on you This is the work of the church. This is the work of the church because this is, this is the faithful response. Difficult work, yes. It doesn't always see the results we had hoped for. But when we are faithful, when we are faithful, God is always faithful. Go ahead and watch this video.
meron akong klase sa Bible school and uh, exactly 10 years tumawag siya that was 2007 in-invite niya ako sabi niya yung mission ay gusto kong tingnan mo kung gusto mo magkaroon ng mas challenging na, na ministry uh, of course nung nasa baba pa lang uh, nagko-complain yung puso bakit ako pupunta rito napakaliblib na lugar pero pagdating nandito sa taas nakita ko yung bata na naglalakad walang saplot marungis naantig yung aking puso they're like a ship without a, a shepherd pero yung prayer ko, sabi ko, Lord, kung will mo, din hindi ako mahihirapan. Napagtanto ko na talaga yun yung ano ng Panginoon na pumunta kami. Nag-sign up ako, okay, officially I will accept the mission. Ang area ng ating church ay more or less na sa 8 uh, hectares. Marami ng mga pagbabago since nung dumating ako rito. Pero nung una ay barren siya, baga hindi mapapakinabangan na din. Pagdating namin dito, wala pang anumang improvement ng, ng water system, wala pang electricity, holistic yung ating ginagawang mission. We cannot separate bread and Bible. So, inuna natin muna yung bread sa kanila kasi mahirap pasukin ng gospel kung medyo kumakalam yung sikmura. Unang need ay yung documentation, nakakonect tayo sa iba't ibang mga agencies na kilalanin sila at magkaroon ng mga proper documentation ng kanilang pagiging lehitimong Pilipino. Nakatulong sa kanila at nasabi na ah, ito ako, may mayroon na silang identity. Isa ring need na nakita natin yung sa bahagi ng edukasyon. Hindi pa po sila marunong maghawak ng lapis. Pero sa katagalan naman, sa pagtitiis lang po, nat- natuto po sila. Pagka natuto na sila dito, sinesend na po namin sila sa formal school. Dati, nung bago pa lang kami rito, nagtaka kami. Bakit uh, pagdating ng month ng April, May at saka June, matahimik yung baryo? Halos wala talagang ano, tao. Yung pala ay bumababa sila para mamalimos. Nagkaroon ng tinatawag alternate cropping. At nung na-introduce yung alternate cropping, mayroon silang pitas year-round. So, na, na, nabura yung tinatawag 3 months poverty. So, nung na-establish natin yung part ng economic and yung sa part ng bread, pumasok tayo sa, sa spiritual part nila. Malaki ang, ang changes na nangyari. Dati, sabi ko nga, yung mga church board uh, members natin ngayon ay mga dating sugapa sa alak. Uh, um, maging ang ating layman ay dating gumagapang yan sa alak. Pero yung pagbabago, makikita mo um, na tatayo na sa, sa harapan and, and they will share the gospel. Yung mga bata dati ay... Uh, magagaspang yung mga salitang maririnig mo, uh, hindi na ganun yung mga choice of language nila. Dati kasi ang background nila ay animism nga sila, pero ngayon uh, wala nang practice na ganun. Ang presence ng mission at ng church ay napakamalaki impact sa kanilang buhay. Maguro ang ating buhay, pero nung nakilala ko si Christo sa ating buhay, naging payapa o wala yung takot. Mayroon man dumarating ng mga pagsubok, sa kanya ako malapit at nananarin. Hindi niya ako, uh, ayan, hindi niya ako babayan. Uh, ngayon po, uh, bali layman ang simbahan. Pagdating ng araw na linggo, ako yung nagtuturo sa mga bata. So ang aking vision in 25 years, I want to see a pastor from the tribe, a professional teacher from the tribe, a lawyer from the tribe itself. 
ma-develop ng mas maayos pa yung lugar. Ang isa sa aming mga pananaw ay at least this mission area, yung katutubo, maging isa sa mga support ng Kabuang District in the coming time para hindi namin masabing we are just a recipient of the mission but at the same time pagdating ng araw na yun, we will expand the mission and extend the hand for a mission. Nag-start, dumating ako dito 2007, I scanned the record, it was sa 800 pesos in one year. We tried to challenge them and uh, just last year we were able to gather more than 250,000 We want to see that Kananawan Tribal Church is a resilient and self-sufficient church. It is more enjoyable when you're out of your comfort zone and build a comforting one. Ang pinakatanging puhunan kapag ika'y tinawag ng Diyos sa isang particular na gawain ay yung sumunod at huwag kang magdadalawang isip na magpagamit sa sa Panginoong Diyos. Sige, go lang ng go because uh, when you obey God's call, it's very rewarding. We want to thank the Owens for being with us this morning. Yes. What an encouraging message this morning and challenging. Will we build and plant trees? I guess you don't build trees, but will you plant trees? It's a great question for us to ponder here in ministry, but how can we be a part of planting trees? trees across the world as well. We want to do something this morning. We don't uh, get to see the Owens as often as maybe we would like, um, and so we want to make up for some lost time. They're probably pondering why in the world I have a happy birthday bag up here, because they're like, it's not our birthday. But we've lost, we've, we've not been able to celebrate with them the last couple of years, and so we want to make up for some lost time. We have some birthday gifts for them and for the kids of those birthdays that we've missed. So I'm going to, I'll just give you this uh, in a little bit. Is that all right? Okay. That's for you, Carla. Thank you for helping put that together. Um, but what we want to do this morning is remember that we are a part of helping them plant those trees in the places that they are doing ministry. And so there's a couple different ways uh, that we can do that. Um, they rely on the financial support of churches and people like us. Uh, to help them accomplish their ministries. And so um, we are going to take up an offering today, um, and the offerings that are given help them pay for transportation, food, lodging, and other life and ministry experiences. And so uh, we wanted to help them today in the best ways that we can continue to invest in the ways that God has called them to do that. So uh, we're still, of course, not passing plates with, with our COVID protocols, so we're doing that a little bit differently. We're going to have some ushers at each of the doors as you leave, so you will be able to give a physical offering this morning. Uh, we also want to let you know, again, I mentioned earlier, you can give online. We know we live in a cashless society sometimes. I don't always have cash uh, that I'm carrying. So take advantage of that. I believe that there are some QR codes you can scan in the foyer. That'll be a direct link to the online giving opportunity. Of course, you can find it on our website, c3nas.net. It's under the giving tab, and then there is a designation for them. So take advantage of all of those ways. But we want to be um, a faithful and generous church as we invest 
in the Owens as they continue to invest uh, in what God has called them to do. So they are also joining in the fun of our expo this morning. They're like, we didn't know we were doing that when we got here today, but they are. So they're going to be out there. They would love to meet with you. Um, They actually love selfies, so they would love to meet you, maybe take a selfie picture with you, uh, and just uh, join in uh, the broader church as they meet others uh, here in Michigan. Um, But I I just want to take a minute this morning, just kind of a sidetrack before I close us. This pamphlet, booklet, is available for you today. Jidra put these together. These contain all of our small groups, okay? So tour the tables, talk to our leaders, get an idea of what's going on out there. But then you can take this with you. And so learn more about those. If you want to make a decision um, from your home, sign up digitally later on. This contains everything you need to make a decision about what group you may want to be a part of. Uh, They're on the welcome table there in the foyer. So grab one of those on your way out. But let me pray for us. I will pray a prayer of uh, blessing over the Owens, and then we'll let you go uh, this morning. But remember to stay and hang out for the expo. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we do thank you for such a powerful reminder of how you are working in our world, all over the world. You're calling us to be faithful, to be obedient, even in places where we may not always immediately see the success. We thank you that you are a good God who is working. You're a God whose love compelled you to come to us. And you're a God who continues to help us be a part of a kingdom that is growing and expanding to all people. And so this morning we pray for the Owens. We pray that you would have your hand on them here as they travel. We pray that you would guide them as they await what's next for them. We pray that you would take what is given today, that you would multiply it so that they can do your ministry and be a blessing through your kingdom, God. We thank you for them. We thank you for their family. We pray for their boys. And we pray that you would just continue to be honored and glorified through their ministry. It's your name I pray. Amen. All right. Go in his peace. Stay afterwards. And we'll see you next Sunday. Thanks for being here this morning. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week.